0: Got friends business. I got expensive. and welcome to this episode of Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Podcast for our Closers. I'm your host Kevin Hill here. We're going to talk about freight sales. We're going to talk about uh, cold calling a little bit, freight sales, mm-hmm. and the main main gist of the, the, the conversation today will be about those outstanding, brilliant salespeople that we've all been around, who make our life miserable. You know, working with them, managing them, uh, that they seem to to, to be able to uh, to be brilliant jerks. So we're going to talk about that with uh, Dr. Katrina Brooks. Uh, she's an executive coach, author, keynote speaker, and her whole, uh, her whole kind of research that she does is how to, how to deal with brilliant jerks. And it, it kind of reminds me of an old business school when I went and got my MBA. We had to, uh, to read a book called The, the No A-Hole Rule. And it was a fascinating book, and I, I think that a lot of these elements will be uh, with that as well. I'm joined by my special co-host uh, today, uh, Nicole Glenn from Candor Expedite. How are you doing today, Nicole?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me back today. I'm excited for this topic today. It's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah, it will be. And, you know, you're, you're the founder and owner of Candor Expedite, and you uh, – how long have, have – when did you start Candor?
1: Uh, Well, we're almost to four years now, so May of 2017 was when we got started.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure you are starting to, if you haven't experienced already, starting to to bring people in who, while they may be brilliant, really good salespeople, uh, sometimes they can have a little bit of an ego, right?
1: Well, yeah, that's part of the game. I mean, I'm fortunate today I still don't have anyone on my team. (laughs) that I could even off-the-cuff say that about? No, I mean, not as of right now, but I have definitely witnessed them in my career, from leaders all the way down to salespeople and ops people, too. So I think it's in every quadrant of our industry.
0: It really is, you know, and and not just our industry, but all industries and doesn't have to be salespeople. You know, anyone who is really naturally gifted at something uh, can be a jerk. And I go back to The Last Dance, you know, I I don't know if you've seen that, Nicole, about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and the, the whole documentary about that. I think you might have. You're from Illinois originally, so yeah. I have. I yeah, loved so, that. It was. But Michael Jordan, you know, could be a jerk. Right? I mean, a lot of people yeah. uh, you know, on the floor, kind of his competitive nature made him a, 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 oftentimes a, a difficult person to to play with. But uh, the you know, Phil Jackson did his his best to control all those those, those crazy egos that the Bulls had back in the, the 80s and 90s.
1: Yeah, he was driving that horse to make sure that everyone was performing at their best. And so that's the thing that I'm interested to talk about today, too, is are people sometimes classified as jerks that really aren't? They're trying mm-hmm. to actually pull the best out of people, but it just comes off sometimes a little too raw and feelings get in the way.
0: No, they do, and then you have those other that other set that you uh, people would classify as jerks, and they really are, you right. know, because sure. the rules don't apply to them, you know. They, yeah. they think they can treat their coworkers uh, any way they want to because they are the superstar of the staff, and sometimes that can get into uh, re- really toxic territory.
1: Yeah, and I think we see that a lot in the industry when you're talking about sales reps versus operations reps. It's a constant battle for people to really dive into the differences between sales versus ops. I mean, in my career, that's always the main topic that I'm trying to make sure that we create this balance because walking in someone else's shoes can be a little hard to do, you know, and when you have a sales rep out there just kicking butt and bringing, bringing in great business, it's, it's very easy to have them build kind of that bigger head, that bigger ego. So it's grounding them again. That's important.
0: Yeah, you. Yeah, they become the top dog. The salespeople become the top dog because they're bringing in revenue. And, you know, the ops people, all they have to do is execute that, right? All they have to do is get trucks. You know, what's so hard about that? So
1: simple. So, so simple. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I know, right? Especially in this yeah. environment. It's just so right. simple to go out and service this account and, and keep it going, keep it humming the day-to-day Um, day-to-day transactions that generate all the margin, all the revenue for us, Uh, you know, what's so hard about that? You know, the hard part is getting the business in. The easy part is just just running it and keeping everybody happy, right?
1: Oh, yeah, easy, completely. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I, in my career, making that transition, because I'd always been an ops person (laughs) when I started my career. So I think that really helped me because I understood what others went through. And so in developing companies, and I hope that other founders and people who are establishing businesses, and not only in transportation, but in all businesses, that they take a look at that and make the training program really dive into all of the different sides of things. So you get a clear picture of what people are up against every day.
0: You too. I I started out in business cradle to the business grave, so I, I got equal doses of both. I didn't have anyone to uh, to have an ego over. It was just myself, you know. If if I brought in some business and didn't get covered, I only had myself to blame, which is uh, which is a, a good 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 position sometimes. Let's uh, let, let's uh, tip the band though really quickly here. Uh, are a great sponsor, you know. Talk about sales and leads and and driving new business. Um, so we want to thank them. And from Zimble's, you want to crush your numbers, so stop random prospecting. Zimble's can tell you who is spending on shipping and get you those leads instantly, taking your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate. Go to startzimblescom slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. Once again, that's startzimblescom slash free trial. So thank you. Give them a, a shot, demos. I, I think we could all – Always use more leads, right, Michael?
1: Oh man, all the time, <laughs> especially ones <laughs> that you can actually have a chance to see what's going on and qualify them the right way.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the more qualified leads that you get, you know, and and there's always the discussion: what's a you know a qualified leads? Not really. It's much different from warm or cold, right? Qualified right. or non-qualified. Those are two different uh different distinctions uh between those, but not calling the it, the the less time you spend calling the wrong people the, the better off you the are. better exactly yes yeah. yes. And it kind of brings me to the point where uh, everyone likes to talk about inbound leads. We, I love inbound leads. You love inbound leads. Uh, having our phone ring and someone looking for a solution is, is always the, the idea situation. But whenever you're starting out in, in the industry or any business, uh, you don't get those inbound leads. No one knows about you. Uh, you oftentimes, you don't have the expertise for anyone to, to search out. Uh, your advice. So you have to to hit the phones, hit the email button, you know, hit whatever you need to hit to go out and and start, whether it's a book of business and sales or uh, your client list for your business, you have to go out there and and really attack it. So let's talk about cold calling for a couple minutes.
1: Yeah. I love the topic of cold calling. It was uh, for me, I did build a pretty good uh, book a business in my past. And so when I ended up leaving that company and had to start over, i had had a non-compete and a commitment. I mm-hmm. said I would not do that. So I had to go out there and establish a whole new customer set. And so the cold calling side of things came back in. Now, when you're a seasoned rep, it's one of those things where you think it should be easy, right? It's so easy. To, I got this guys. I'm just going to dial on. I got this. I've closed business before. But it, it's no joke, you know, when you go back into that cold calling side and trying to get that decision maker on the phone and try to make that relationship out of maybe 20 seconds that they're they're mm-hmm. uh, willing to talk to you. But I do think it is something that is still viable to our industry and really all of them because the relationship has to start somewhere. It always has it, it, to start with either uh, a phone call. I think a voice is great, though, you know, to start mm-hmm. start a relationship.
0: I I do too. I, I think cold calling I, I think um you know it depends on your business model and, and what you're selling to in freight brokerage it, it's really good to have that that voice um yeah. on, on the phone cold calling and I, I got to say everything that, that uh, you know all the relationships I've built in, in this industry and and that I've come across has always started with the cold call. It really has, you know. I yeah. mean I, I I built that foundation just cold calling cold emailing. Uh, I know we cold called you quite a bit. Uh, Oh, I do
1: remember that. Yeah, Yeah, you did.
0: (laughs) So, you know, I mean, yeah.
1: It seems like reps have a lot more options, right? So they, before, back in the day, it was like all you had was a cold call and an email. And now there's different platforms where you're able to get out there and get Mm -hmm. your voice heard and become kind of an expert in your quadrant. So now, I mean, LinkedIn has become a great uh, tool for a lot of people to to hop on and start that relationship piece, do the connection. Obviously, you don't want to send your first intro connection and just go, hey, I hate that. I do get that often, but there's nothing wrong with trying to learn about businesses. And so that's been a great platform for my sales team on trying to just understand a company understand if mm-hmm. they are a qualified company and then do this mix you know I know when we first started um with listening to you Kevin what you're talking mm-hmm. about video right video was yes. the yeah. the big deal so now you can incorporate video you can incorporate LinkedIn a phone call an email like you have so many more options than you did from one off old people and freight started
0: uh, you do, you do. I, I think video is is the the real killer right now. And we had uh, we had Scott Ingram on a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about the, the use of video and and how it's underserved. I, I think well, we had Gary V on the Global Supply Chain Week last Tuesday as a keynote was Steve Ferrar, and he was talking about how you know LinkedIn, if your business business LinkedIn is the the gold pot right now. Uh, if you can combine those two, which there are there are apps out there where you can, and I've been going out and recruiting some speakers for some of our upcoming conferences uh, over the last couple of weeks. And uh, my favorite thing to do is to, to do a short video. Uh, it's kind of like writing a cold message on LinkedIn. Uh, but I do a video, uh, you know, just a very short, 20, 30 seconds. And, you know, if you want to talk about it, you know, shoot me back a, a message and we'll, we'll set up a time. Uh, but the video works, those little videos work like magic. They, they really do. Oh.
1: I agree. We've been utilizing two different tools for that. And our open rate is great. You know, as long as mm-hmm. you're short, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They try to make a four-minute video. And it's crazy to think four minutes doesn't seem long until you are listening to that four-minute video. It is a lifetime. So keeping it short and sweet and hit, hitting that point, I think, is where a, a lot of people should just stay in that zone of a minute, minute and a half max.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly a minute and a half would, would be max. You, you, all you're doing, you're, you're just trying to, to to sell a phone call or a, yep. a, a video meeting or some way to to get them down and and present. You know, you're, you're you know, sell them freight at that point or freight services. Uh, Mm -hmm. Certainly none of that initial. It's it's just to to get them interested, and it should just be a teaser. Uh, There's no reason to throw out the kitchen sink and try to list out everything that that you might be able to do for them. Just get them interested.
1: So with a lot of people out of office right now, you know, the world is still technically remote. You know, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear what people are doing to kind of get around that. You know, how do you know if someone is in office um, to pick up that phone call? You know I for me, it's like my my reps are are struggling with that too, and there are a lot of tools out there that you can do to uh, call someone's cell phone. but Kevin, what do you think about calling a prospect cell phone? Are you comfortable with doing something like that?
0: You know, there's a time in my life where I wasn't comfortable with it, and that time has long since passed, I think. I will – I'll call your cell phone. It it doesn't really matter. It it doesn't matter because, you know what, I I usually – if I'm going to call you, I have something to offer. You know, I have something to offer. I don't really – yeah, so I I, I have no qualms about – you know, especially in this day and age. I mean, most people – most people don't have phones. I mean, at FreightWaves, we don't have any FreightWaves phones. There's no phone lines in the building whatsoever. Everything's done off of our personal cell phones. So if you want to get in touch with me, you have to call my personal cell phone. Uh, there's no other way to to do that or LinkedIn or, you know, any number of different things. But if someone calls me, I mean, that's great.
1: Do you think you? COVID COVID came into play? I feel like the rules have kind of changed a little bit. Because uh, now yeah. there really aren't a lot of people that have desk phones. We do. We have desk phones. But with technology now, it's basically having your cell phone as, or your desk phone as an app. So we utilize a service that, I mean, there's no difference between calling our desk or uh, calling our cell phone direct. It still rings the same. So it, it, it allows our people to have that business front, even if they are working remote. So I wonder if a lot of companies are doing that, even at a corporate level.
0: Yeah, I I think probably, you know, call forwarding has been around for a long time. So I imagine during COVID, you you had more call forwardings, you know, going from your desk to uh, your cell phone anyway, if you're working from home. Uh, And most of the people I call right now, they, they have their cell phones listed in their signature anyway. So it's not really hidden. I don't really have to go search for it. And, you know, I just assume that everyone's on their cell phones anyway. So I just start with the cell phones. Um, though that's kind of my gig right now. But, you know, for for, for your sales team, uh, are they comfortable with it, Or you know, calling a, a shipper's cell phone or trying to dig through? And you, you, you described you had some software that, that helps you out with doing that. So I guess that's the standard procedure I, at Candor.
1: I I think it <laughs> depends on the rep, you know, and what mm-hmm. level they're in in their sales career. So it seems like someone who just started in the sales side of things, is a little bit more timid. But uh, for myself, I mean, sales is always going to be a part of of what I do, no matter what role I have in the company. I like to actually text people too and just Mm -hmm. send a text and see how that response is. But again, I mean, there are some people that are like gung-ho within the company and then other people that are, I can just tell from our meetings, um, because we'll do even like video day where we'll go, today's video day. Mm -hmm. Let's get comfortable. Let's get out there and, and try to make some videos that we can yeah. put out to people. And then they get comfortable in video day. And then a week later, I'm like, hey, how's it going on videos? And they're like, well, I haven't done one since video day. So it does take our, our management team to kind of just do that friendly push to be like, hey, it's okay. Hey. Call someone's cell phone. Hey, it's okay. Make a video. And they just need to stay in that comfort zone of doing those things.
0: Yeah, you have to stay in the comfort zone. Uh, you know, if you have success, that's the best comfort zone there is, right? You know, yeah. a little bit of success, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go all in on this now, because it, yeah. it's just so much easier than 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 calling and 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 getting these voicemails. Um, and we have uh, Aaron Zimmerman here, uh, senior solutions executive at AIFS. He's also noticing a lot of phone trees never were updated for everyone being work from home, and some do not have an operator to transfer. Getting through via phone call has proven to be very difficult, and that's something I forgot about is are the phone trees. And that's the worst part about, about cold calling, I think, is, is the phone trees. It's, it's hitting these different numbers and keeping your attention long enough to where yeah, you're, you're hearing this pre-recorded uh, message and following the right, right, right uh, instructions.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, as far as the gatekeeper side of things, though, too, I mean, when we're calling into these places and a lot of people are not in the office, it's how do you approach that? How do you Mm -hmm. get through that and ask the right questions so that way maybe you can even, I mean, do you go as uh, risky to say, hey, I know so-and-so might not be in the office. Can I grab their cell phone number? I wonder what the chances are that, that you'll get that and try to make a call that way.
0: You know, it's it's probably pretty good odds that that you probably can if you're if you're sly enough, if you're sly enough. Uh, Rachel says, yeah, she asks, is it okay to text? I think we just said, yes, it is. Uh, Julio Madera. uh, Hello to you. C.R. Burns, uh, you know. Breaking the ice and Brandon Ferrara as well. So thanks everyone for for listening live or viewing live on on LinkedIn. So we're going to talk about superstar jerks. Uh, Let's let, let, let I I was I was going through some lists. I was googling around last night uh, trying to, to to fill a segment here and didn't really know what to do. And then I started googling around and you know some of the the great. Coworker jerks or jerks in films and movies and i have a list of a few here and i started really thinking about it there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands because if you really look at good fiction good movies good books it always kind of starts off with someone who uh doesn't fit in and they might be a jerk and either they affect someone else's character arc or their character arc, as well, is built on the fact that they changed during that process. So, um, before I go into my list, do you, do you have any that that come to mind that, that aren't part of this? No, the
1: one that stuck out to me was Alec Baldwin in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. That was I read that and I was like, oh gosh, yes. You know. I know. Also, right? I. What about the Boiler Room? Ben Affleck in the Boiler Room.
0: Uh, yeah, Ben that's, Affleck. That's a good one. It is a really good one. So, uh, you know, boiler rooms, you, you find that, 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 that type of, of superstar jerk uh, everywhere, right? Every yeah. bo- boiler room you go into, you probably do the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Jordan Belfort's probably uh, another one to put on that list. Um, but but here's, uh, here's some superstar jerks uh, from movies and film, and I think one of the, the, the biggest is James Bond, right? It seems like he gets everyone else killed, just, just because he he he's he's arrogant and he does what he wants, and it usually turns into multiple people around. It seems like every movie, everyone around them dies except for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's brilliant, right? So, so that's part of it, you know. And the, the second one uh, is the bandit from Smoking the Bandit, you know. Uh, it seems like he gets everyone else in trouble, but he kind of skates through it and he can be arrogant and and uh, and all knowing and it kind of fits a little bit of that mold of just being a superstar jerk.
1: You know what's funny? I've never seen that movie.
0: Have you never seen that movie? I
1: don't How can you be in How? trucking
0: and never seen I, that movie?
1: I don't know. I've never seen that movie. So when I saw that on your list, I'm like I need to check this movie out. This is a classic that I've missed out on. Yes.
0: (laughs) It it, it stands the test of time, too. The the witty banner in it is is phenomenal. I got in here, and, like, uh, Seth and Andrew, who were on the research team, none of them had seen it, and I just threw a fit because you, you have to watch Smokey and the Bandit.
1: All right, I'm in. It is, I'll let you not uh, Yeah, go. Definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's your homework for this week, Nicole, is to okay. go watch Smokey and the Bandit before next week's episode. So, uh, number three, we have Don Draper. Did you ever watch Mad Men?
1: I did see a couple of those shows, yes.
0: Yeah, so he is a superstar jerk within any ad agency that he worked at or, you know, owned or anything. He was just, uh, he was brilliant, but... He let it out on on everyone who worked for him, especially for Peggy. So uh, definitely, um, definitely one of those. Ehrlich Bachman from Silicon Valley. And I don't know if you've watched Silicon Valley or not, but
1: I haven't. This is. What I, it seems like all these shows have been when I've started being an entrepreneur on TV. Oh, I know, right wasn't, wasn't my, in the cards for me a lot.
0: (laughs) I I know, really, I mean, it it takes a back seat pretty quickly, doesn't it? Whenever, Mm -hmm. whenever you're an entrepreneur and you have, you know, 90 hours of work a week, uh, TV is not really all that important anymore.
1: I can't tell you how many times people are like, you haven't seen this Netflix, uh, series on such and such. I'm like, no, I haven't. I, I don't know. I've, I've just haven't had, uh, I guess, haven't had the time. And when I do, I want to hang out with my kids. Another one, though, that's on your list that I do love is the Devil Wears Prada, Miranda Mm -hmm. Priestley. Yes, completely. But and what's I I mean, I want you to still go through your list. But what you can just see from even the people that I see on this list is that there is some sort of do good behind some of this mentality, you know, for certain people, even though it's a hot mess throughout the entire uh, interaction with them.
0: <laughs> it is. So there's some, some good Regina George from Mean Girls is 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 a classic jerk, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Darth Vader. You can't leave out Darth Vader, right? Anakin no, you Skywalker. You, you can't yeah. do that. Um, I, And then Blake from Blungary Glen Ross. And then we have one robot on here. Which is HAL 9000, which I, I saw for the uh, probably the first time in 20 years, maybe two weeks ago, and Stanley Kubrick's film HAL 9000 thought he knew everything, came out and attacked the astronauts once they realized that maybe he was having uh, defects or, or 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 something was wrong, and he started attacking the astronauts. Really interesting, uh, hard movie to go get through though. But Stanley Kubrick is Stanley Kubrick, right? So. But, you know, enough about the the film jerks. I think we have uh, Dr. Katrina Bruce in. So let's uh, bring her on right now.
2: Hello. Delighted to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, thank you very much, Katrina. Thank you for, for joining us today and uh, and talking to us about how to handle the brilliant jerks that we run across in cells and our offices, our, our coworkers, and kind of some tips and tricks uh, for that. Um, to, to start it off, you're a CEO, founder of Excellent Executive Coaching LLC. Um, it's known for fast tracking leaders to the C suite and beyond and for transforming brilliant jerks. Into inspiring leaders, and that's what really caught my eye on this. And you've also published managing—you've um, you know, published managing brilliant jerks and global leadership uh, in book form. So, uh, thank you, thank you again for joining us. Uh, can you kind of do a, a little bit of better introduction uh, about what you do and and what your where your interests lie?
2: Well, of course, um, I wrote this book, Managing Brilliant Jerks, and how to make them visionaries. Uh, it's really, I had a stepfather that was a, I would say a brilliant jerk. And, uh, I, then I realized he was very hurtful and I was a little girl and i very hurt. But later on, I realized that, you know, in fact, his intent was good, but he didn't know how to express it in a way that wasn't destructive. So that is later on in life. I say, these brilliant jerks, even though they're very much a jerk, but once when they're brilliant, and sometimes they can be super experts and, and they're brilliant in their domain, but they don't know how to handle people in the interpersonal. Don't they get a chance to have the opportunity to develop their emotional intelligence and their interpersonal skills? Because then you can leverage their brilliance. So you mentioned... Devils Wear Prada, very good film. It's a bit uh, typified, but she's a woman that at all costs had to get the results, at all costs, and she would have walked over anybody to get there. But just think, people that are that way have so much anxiety because they're only as good as the latest thing they did well. They have no interpersonal strength and confidence that they're loved just because of themselves. You know, parents, they love because they simply because unconditionally and they love for the results and they're proud for the results of their kids. What happens if your parents only loved you for what you do?
0: It would be a tough life. It, yeah, it I, was think,
1: was, I think a lot yeah. of people would struggle with that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so
0: so, uh, so, is that something that, that, that anxiety comes from within, that, that that's how they feel about life, or is that external?
2: I can't generalize for all of them, but a lot of them, it's that anxiety that uh, they can't get what they want, and there's an emotional attachment to that result, you know, of feeling good about themselves. It's conditional. So uh, it's really also... Some some just aren't aware. You know, they're brilliant and they're very good technicians, but they're just unaware. But let me give you a story. There was one woman that had her older brother from an immigrant family, and they had put all their hopes in the eldest son to take them out of the situation. So everything was The attention was him. They were proud of him. But there was so much pressure on him to perform that finally he cracked, left, and went to a distant farm a bit isolated. He had a younger sister that was average at school, that didn't do that well, wasn't that pretty. But guess what happened when her brother disappeared?
1: She had to step up. She felt like she had to step up, and that limelight was— Able to be on her now.
2: That's my guess. Well, that's a very good guess. Right on, because that finally she had a bit of that light and that attention, and she became a brilliant jerk. So, and 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 very result oriented and very status oriented. Also with her upbringing, it because you know they wanted to succeed as new immigrants in this country. So uh pardon me? I'm oh gonna... yeah,
0: is, yeah, so I so I guess we were talking but before you came on, uh Nicole and I, uh, about how you know you you have those those brilliant jerks who are closer to kind of like a Michael Jordan Jordan um type of, of situation where they, they 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 drive everybody hard, but it's for results and it is for a good cause. And those that or more on the toxic side. Is there a difference between those two? Are there two different categories of, of people, or is it all just one?
2: Well, there are different. Uh, some are extremely result-oriented and totally blind interpersonally, or they don't value it. it. They uh, The relationship is not valued. There are the uh, psychopaths that enjoy being hurtful, and I'm not talking about those, okay? Those, it's almost mm-hmm. a sickness. Uh, so I want to uh, talk about those that are interpersonally can be toxic or are hurtful, and I would say just to clarify the difference between a demanding uh, boss with high standards and a toxic one. It's really the the, the toxic leader, when he sees that there's an impediment for his success, he, he attacks. You know, there's a flight, freeze, or a flight, uh, a, excuse me, attack. Flight, mm-hmm. freeze, or attack. Well, they attack. They fight. But a demanding boss basically uh, steps back, doesn't react by the gut, looks at the situation and looks at the situation and the person. Is this person not able because the project is too big? Or is this person uh, not motivated? Well, if it's a too big of a project, they he will do, the demanding boss will do what he can to make the project smaller or to put a mentor or to put somebody uh, more training available so he can succeed because the intent is that they succeed. Uh, and, well, and if uh, the person is... Uh, hasn't done a good job because a person's not motivated, well, he'll adapt his leadership towards that person and have a deeper, more profound conversation. So he has two things. He, the demanding boss with high standards steps back, analyzes the situation, adapts his leadership. The brilliant jerk basically sees it hasn't been done, and therefore it's the problem of the person right there because they have this anxiety and they attack. And so uh, you need to differentiate the two to say that uh, one really wants the other person to succeed. The other one is too scared and too threatened to really think in a rational way they're triggered. So Dr. Burst, the one question that I have
1: for you is say you work for a person like this and you see that, or that's a colleague or whatever the case is, How do you even convey this type of messaging to them that they classify as this type of person and to make them see that, you know, they potentially need coaching and empathy and communication? How do you conduct that conversation with someone that is to that level?
2: So there's two answers to your question. One, if you're the employee that's being attacked, let's say, Uh, If the person feels that each time their confidence goes down, I'll give you an example. One person I coach was part of the executive committee of this multinational. Okay, not a new leader. He was seasoned. And he called me up and said, look, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm the end-of-year speech motivator speaker for my company. I'm part of the executive committee. And something's happened to me because I'm starting to stutter. I can't focus. And I have an allergic reaction on my skin. That's how affected he was. In that case, he really needs to to take care of himself. So if you're an employee and you're that that affected, that you can't sleep at night, that you can't function then you need to leave if you are managing to if you have a a abrasive boss and you can step back and see that it's his problem and not yours and it doesn't affect your confidence that's already a good thing now does that mean he's going to do coaching no so Mm -hmm. usually if it's the company that calls me and says look we have an issue with this uh this difficult leader okay So, uh, and I say, okay, right. And have you communicated this to him? Well, yes, yes. So I go back and I go to the brilliant jerk, as I call them affectionately. Well, what have you heard from top management? Oh, I'm really good. I have great results and everything. And he thinks that I should be fuzzy-wuzzy with the employees, but I'm not here to do that. You know, that could be a certain reaction. So basically, I to summarize, I make sure that top management has clearly said to their difficult boss that his behavior is not okay to continue that way. Because after all, I'm an executive coach. I come from outside and then I leave. So I don't want, I'm a catalyst. I don't want to take part of management's uh, responsibility to say what behavior is accepted and what is not. Then, for to convince the billionaire, the first time I meet him, all I say is, wouldn't you want to know how people perceive you and your brilliance and what you need to tweak to be even more effective? That might be one. Or I can ask, uh, what do you think the rumors are about you and why I'm here? So, I can that- Yes?
0: Oh yeah, is that the kind of the same? If you're a manager, and and so so we, we, we do a lot of sales. Freight is 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 dictated on on sales. So you have these high performers that are usually working. So so if you're a manager, you probably have a couple of high performers, right? And they can be difficult to hat. Ha- Difficult to handle in, in a number of cases uh, because they are, are brilliant jerks, right? They're, they're brilliant selves, and they think they that means that they can get away with with whatever, you know, whether that's company rules, whether that's how they treat their coworkers. And um, is that the same kind of strategy to to use whether you know it's a, it's a leader or uh, an employee?
2: Well, yes, in some way it's familiar. Uh, it's similar, excuse me, because it's more or less a uh, difficult leader. But those alpha males that are good salespeople and uh, really want their results, the problem is is when they do very good results, that's great. But when they promote them to management, mm-hmm. that, because they have good results, doesn't mean they're good managers. And often uh, they take them and make them managers and then They're so focused on their results, they cannot really train others. So that's uh, a leadership issue, is to really identify those that are not only very good, but are more, they see success as a team effort, not only of them. And that needs to be clarified to the alpha male, let's say, or alpha woman.
0: Yeah, I think I think you see that a lot in, in in a lot of industries, especially, you know, ours as well. Right, Nicole, is that oh, the, yeah. the person the, the best salesperson gets promoted to the, the sales manager and the sales manager role is much different than yeah. superstar salesperson role. And you do you you, you find that the ego um, of, of their performance outshines what the, the team as a whole does. I mean, have you seen that, Nicole?
1: I have seen that over and over again. It's, it's, it's a it's a constant, you know, and a lot of the people who are placed in those positions that have been successful sales is the most, you got to be a little greedy, you got to be a little crazy, that's what I like to say, um, and, and care about your performance, I mean, company wise, too. So now you're taking somebody who's been trained for years, you, 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 and going we, we, we. And that is a very challenging spot for really anyone to be successful. And they have to want to make that journey themselves. They can't be put into that spot. They have to want to lead a team of people and and put others first. And that is a very, it's a hard thing to do when you've been successful on a on a sales side of things for sure. There's
2: important things you can do when first you're remunerated by the team. Effort, And not only by his effort, that's already one thing on the system level. And then again, it's uh, working with the high performer uh, also to see where their blind spots are. Usually they love the promotion because it's status oriented and they love the status and the extra money, but don't want to take the time to train other people. But it, the other thing is to help them see that uh, they can get something even more results by training other people. It needs to be on a system level. And so I do a lot of research work and see where they're perceived as brilliance and where they can improve on the interpersonal level and give that feedback to the high performer. Usually they fall off their chair because they don't even realize it's their blind spot. You know, it's like driving, you see 2020 in front, but you don't see on the side and that's their Mm -hmm. blind spot. So, being making them aware is the first step, and then how they can get even better results by integrating other people. So some they don't care, they don't like it, but others you know, they do like the status, they do like the extra money. and if they can get extra money on a team basis, that's also could be very motivating. And if you can help them uh, train, in a sense, how to be more inclusive. I mean, after all, you have, you can't blame them. What made them successful to date is the me, me, me. Yeah. So how are you going to show them another way how they can be even more successful by being more inclusive?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, what, what every business owner kind of goes through as, as well. I, I know I did. I'm, I'm sure I, I know you did, Nicole, is that mm-hmm. you can't do everything know you yeah. can't make every sale you can't service every customer. you have to let go of the reins a little bit and uh and when you know certainly when you've you've been doing it all by yourself for for so long it's uh it's tough to do that
1: and I would assume that there's it's a struggle for our for people when they're so in control of their direct results to do that you know where it's every sale that sale is theirs their customer is theirs. And letting even someone account manage it, let alone sell and underneath you. So I'm curious too, and, and Dr. Burris, when you identify this and you talk to them, are you taking um, different kind of, I guess, uh, marks against them? Are you like interviewing their colleagues and their coworkers or how do you approach them with this news? Like what tools would someone utilize to um, show what other coworkers or people uh, say about them in this brilliant-slash-jerk status?
2: So uh, I, I mentioned I have a step seven-step process that I help them through from being a brilliant jerk to inspiring leader. And what, a lot of it is, involves research work. Now, remember, they're high performers, okay? So you can also leverage their desire to perform very well by showing them what where they excel and also where they don't excel and they don't like to not excel so if you could show them not only where they can improve but also indicate ways and have help them be better and more performant in those ways then i mean there's a good many of them that will take that that will take that uh uh, that challenge so i mean I want to give you another example, though. Just recently, just come to mind. There was one fellow who's a brilliant salesman, you know, in trading, uh, in the financial market. And he was the biggest producer. And he was also CEO, 20%. So, I mean, he can't be a salesman and a CEO of a company because he's going to lack somewhere or both in both <laughs> areas. So mm-hmm. it took it's a security belt to leave something you do so well. Uh, but and to, but finally, he did take the challenge with the coaching when he realized he can't be an excellent CEO if he doesn't really give his best in that area. So he took the challenge and left in a six-month period progressively to to leave the salesman and really just be there for other people in the company and be a CEO, a good CEO. That's a new challenge, and he took it.
0: Well, let's say uh, Nicole hires another salesperson. They turn out to be a brilliant jerk, high earner. What are some of the killer mistakes? Some some things not to do when you're trying to to, to mold them into uh, your corporate culture?
2: Uh, to convince them to be coached, or in, for the
0: yeah. company? yeah, to, so- to, to 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 convince them to be be coached to uh, kind of change their behavior to uh, to get them to to. Uh, not not exactly fit in, but you know, fit in, be be reasonable with with their their colleagues and other people in the in the company.
2: So if you go to them and say, "Look, you know, you're not very nice to your colleagues. You should be nicer and kinder." That's not going to work. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to hold their hands. You see, so you can say, look, I heard you're very brilliant, but there's rumors that are, you know, that sort of uh, seems to be deterring to your career. So and detracting from the results you achieve. Would you be interested to know where people perceive where you excel and where people perceive you as not being as good as you could be? So I touch their curiosity, and then I do the research work. And, of course, that report that I do is only for them, and it's highly confidential. And plus when I – because I'll tell you what. If you have – you enable a brilliant jerk to change, really, and he goes back to work. In the beginning, he's a bit awkward. He's trying new behaviors, and he says, look, you know, how was your weekend? How many kids do you have? Um, Did you have a good time? You know, they'll they'll think the employees that are used to his rough ways will say, "Oh my God, what is he? What does he want now? What is he trying to manipulate?" Okay, so in effect, it's like bringing a recovering alcoholic back to the bar with his drinking buddies. You know, it's 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 not going to work. So you got to. Uh, really prepare the system that he is really making effort, or she's really making an effort to change. And in the beginning, it's going to be awkward. So by doing the interviews and getting that information, you also prepare the system. So when he comes up and he says, uh, "You know, how was your weekend?" Well, I said, "Oh, he's trying to to make an effort. He's really trying." And you know, we all know he's tr- working on his leadership. So they'll really help him out instead of pushing him out. See, so uh, you mm-hmm. can't only work with the individual because the individual works in a system and you also have to prepare the system for the change.
0: What are some uh, so, some of the, oh, go ahead, Nicole.
2: No, I was going to ask you with these surveys
1: and it's, it's hard as a business owner. That's where I'm coming from to kind of single out an employee, right? Cause that's something that could, could kind of bite you, right? When you single yes. out and ask questions, How do you kind of pull that information out of other people without being too aggressive or even kind of putting a a light on this person that, hey, we have noticed that you have a toxic or a jerk, a brilliant jerk. I don't know if I'm saying this clear enough. Like how, How do you extract that without putting the light on them that you've identified them as a brilliant jerk? Because then they're carrying this management said, no. she's a brilliant jerk. You know,
2: how do you do that? Okay. So it's an excellent question, Nicole. Excellent. First of all, mm-hmm. uh, it's a leadership development program. It's not a brilliant jerk program. It's a, a leadership development. Second of all, I don't say what's your strength and your weaknesses. No, I don't want even to focus on the weaknesses. I say, what are his, his or her strengths and what would make the relationship more productive for you, okay? More productive relationship, it makes the responsibility for the two, you see, and mm-hmm. and, and get very explicit information of how that relationship can improve. And, of course, for different people, it's different things, okay? So an example I like to give is one person, as a woman that was – brilliant oh my god was she brilliant uh but um untru- unfortunately interpersonally difficult and she would walk three steps in front of her colleague her employee and each time they would ask a question she would <gasps> roll her eyes and sigh you know you know like oh god is that a stupid question you know but ver non-verbally was she aware of it no so when she was married uh, uh, made very aware of what she said and the nonverbals, then she could do something about it. I mean, they're bright. So uh, once you give them good quality information that's detailed and actionable, they can change.
0: So it's kind of like uh, like, like cells all over, right? What's in it for you? And and positioning it to, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have this talk with you, but it's it's really finding out what's important to them and trying to to, to give them guidance and uh, advice on on you know uh, how they can be more productive what's in their best interest, I, I should say right that's really what i'm trying to get to is is presenting it to where where it's in their best interests uh in their mm-hmm. best self interest i should say yeah
2: yeah in her particular case First, she needs to be aware what she's doing nonverbally that's offensive for people. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one. And then there's a second step to encourage the person to get more information. I even have it on my website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com. There's a how do you get to know a person on, on a deeper level? You know, what are they thinking? Uh, what's in their mind? What's in their heart? What's their passion? What's in their gut? What's their fear? Where? What are they doing now? And uh, that would be the arms. The legs would be mm-hmm. where are they going? What's their ambition? So to help them, then the second step is to know them at a very much more deeper level so that they they can get insight in how to better approach the person. And they also see different... Uh, differences between people. Like, you know, the Eskimos have 36 ways of seeing snow. We maybe have four or five. Uh, so they need to get that that uh, curiosity and use their quick brain to really analyze the person in a deeper level. And then the and then, uh, then the next step, once they observe, is how can they control their triggers too? Because they have anxieties that they might not succeed, or uh, how can they control that? And to something that's more productive for them and for the other person. So in the beginning, it's going to be difficult. That's why I think the system needs to know that they're going through this process. Uh, and 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 like you said, Nicole, in the interview process, you don't want them to leave with a negative impression, but uh, mm. leave with a, an impression that they're really questioning themselves that they want to improve their leadership and they need to participate in this process. And that's a very courageous process to do. And it is, I mean, it is, you know, even for someone that's not toxic. So, so Dr. Marissa
0: is, Oh, go ahead, Nicole.
2: I was just going to say that blind spots for anybody are, are
1: challenging, whether it's, I mean, it could be something very simple or something like body language. Those are very they're great to know. You just have no idea. And I wonder how many of these people are going around working thinking that they are a great leader, that they are doing a good job, that they are leading by example and pushing in the Michael Jordanism, like I'm developing people that no one ever speaks up and, and says anything and shows them those blind spots. I'm sure it happens often.
2: Yes, and Nicole, the higher you get in the hierarchy, the less feedback you get.
1: Mm-hmm. So this kind
2: of feedback is really very instrumental to help the person to develop their leadership, no matter who it is. I just happen to think that, you know, people that are brilliant but interpersonally blind merit the uh, opportunity to improve uh, on their leadership.
0: So, so, Dr. Burris, it's been wonderful running out of time here. It, it's it's always a, an interesting topic to, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships in, in the work, culture, you know, just kind of how people uh, adapt uh, to, to one another. Uh, for our audience out there who wants to learn more about uh, your offerings and, and what you do, uh, tell us a little bit about that.
2: So uh, they should go on my website. There's a lot of free Downloads about just developing your emotional intelligence, also uh, 18 tips how to stop abrasive behavior in a company. Uh, so that's on excellentexecutivecoaching.com. So I'll say that again: excellentexecutivecoaching.com. So there's a lab to download, and they can contact me there.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again for your time. It's been it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for the wonderful questions. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Nice to meet Thanks. you, Dr. Burris. Yes, nice to meet you too. Thank you,
0: Dr. Burris. Very good. Well, that is, um, that is. It's good to know. It's always good to to learn learn things about how to really how to get along with with everyone that that you work with, whether they're they're their customers or coworkers or subordinates or or leaders, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, I think that is. Oh, I'm sorry. I I think that is a big, big topic that hits a lot of organizations that is worth looking into uh, how to approach that, how to give someone that information on their blind spots. I think that would be a very interesting exercise to do uh, with some people. And she was right. She said the higher you go within an organization, the less information you get as that leader or that executive. You know, you may hear Mm -hmm. little blips, but usually uh, that's when they say that ownership and leadership can be one of the loneliest spots for people because they don't get a lot of that.
0: Mm -hmm. It it can, you know, uh, blind spots or, you know, I'd hate to to hear my blind spots half the time, but, um, you know, I have enough people who who are trying to to tell me that all the time anyway. So uh, I do hear about it, right, Nicole? Yep,
1: I do too. And I try to ask. That's the hard thing too, is asking people and feeling comfortable with whoever you're asking, whether that's a, a friend or a family uh, member or even a co-manager. I I think those are mm-hmm. those are great people that you can ask those questions on your blind spot, and if they're true, they'll tell you what they think for you.
0: They will. They definitely. Let, let's wrap off a book. Let, let's do that today. Um, we'll do. Um, We'll do, uh, you know, Dr. Bursa's book, you know, um, and the the title up here again. I don't have a copy of it on me right now, so but but we'll, you know, managing uh, brilliant jerks is is the title of of her book. So let's raffle that off. And can you, Nicole, pick a number between one and one hundred and seventeen?
1: Let's go eight, since today eight. is International Women's Day. Hopefully, okay. a woman is an Anna Eight. <laughs>
0: uh, and, and you're right, Paige Finch. So nice. Paige Finch, I will I will get get a hold of you, and uh, we'll we'll send out a book, Managing Brilliant Jerks, to you. But uh, it would be a it would be a good read. I I, I just got it. I, I read a couple chapters of it. It is a really good read. Um, I need to, to finish it up. Sometimes uh you know you get you get slammed with time to to, to mm-hmm. be able to to read books. Uh as you know, Nicole. Uh you don't yep. have time for TV. Have you been reading any good books lately? Um,
1: I've been an audio person. I can't the book that I'm reading well, right now is great. It's uh The Untethered Soul is a book. I don't even have my phone around me. I'll have to comment it. Yep. It is a deep book that is so deep, but it's so basic on how to control your psyche and how to pull yourself out of that. And um, again, kind of control who you are as a person with, with your psyche. So I've been listening to that. I can only listen to it in stints uh, because I want to make sure that I'm completely vested into it. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's been a fun listen. I, I'll listen and I'll come in and talk to my husband and go, so this part, because it's just so deep, it's uh, it's so deep that it's basic. I'll say that, and yeah, I'll, I'll throw yeah. a link in uh, on on the uh, the chat that we have today, so people can take a look. Yeah, at please it
0: do. Yeah, please do. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, coming up, uh, we had what the truck right before here with Dooner and the Dude, so you can catch that on on demand. Wednesday, we have Evolve, which is uh, our virtual next virtual event, uh, the intersection of energy and transportation. It'll be all day Wednesday. Uh, we're partnering with Digital Wildcatters to put that on. And then March 24th, we have uh, our 3PL Summit. And that will be an all-day event just on freight brokerages and 3PLs. We'll be talking uh, about the future of the industry, uh, about digital, uh, not only freight brokers, marketplaces, uh, carrier vetting, which is always a a big topic for everybody and kind of why. Especially right uh, now. Especially (laughs) right now, certainly. Yeah, Yeah. I know. And then we have our Enterprise Fleet Summit coming up on April 7th. So you can go to live.freightwaves.com and learn more about all of that. And then, of course, Tuesday, uh, tomorrow at noon, midday market update with uh, myself and the dude Michael Vincent. And for for everything that's a wrap here on put that copy down and you can download it at Freightcast and wherever you download your podcasts, uh, anywhere. So here we go.
2: I got friends only
0: want to talk business. I got expensive when things is expensive. I got expensive when expensive. I Shutting out the stars, yeah. Cause yeah. when it yeah. rains then it vars, yeah. yeah. And I'm ready for some more.